Let's read together 1 Samuel chapter 17, verses 31 through 58. In the second half of 1 Samuel 17, we have the account of David's victory over Goliath using a slingshot and Goliath's own sword. Now, for background purposes, let's read the last part of this chapter first. 1 Samuel chapter 17, beginning at verse 50. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone and struck the Philistine and killed him. But there was no sword in the hand of David. Therefore David ran and stood over the Philistine, took his sword and drew it out of its sheath and killed him and cut off his head with it. And when the Philistines saw that their champion was dead, they fled. Now the men of Israel and Judah arose and shouted and pursued the Philistines as far as the entrance of the valley and to the gates of Ekron. And the wounded of the Philistines fell along the road to Shearim, even as far as Gath and Ekron. Then the children of Israel returned from chasing the Philistines, and they plundered their tents. And David took the head of the Philistine and brought it to Jerusalem, but he put his armor in his tent. When Saul saw David going out against the Philistine, he said to Abner, the commander of the army, Abner, whose son is this youth? And Abner said, As your soul lives, O king, I do not know. So the king said, Inquire whose son this young man is. Then as David returned from the slaughter of the Philistine, Abner took him and brought him before Saul with the head of the Philistine in his hand. And Saul said to him, Whose son are you, young man? So David answered, I am the son of your servant Jesse, the Bethlehemite. Let's begin our study this morning with some background notes. Question. Why in these last few verses of the chapter does it seem that King Saul doesn't even know David at this point? I mean, I thought we read back in chapter 16 that David played the harp for King Saul and David was Saul's armor bearer. Well, one good possible answer here is that while Saul certainly knew David, he was now asking about his lineage. Whose son are you was now a very important question since David was about to become the king's son-in-law. We mentioned in our talk on the first half of this chapter that this battle between David and Goliath illustrates spiritual warfare. Goliath represents satanic forces opposed to God's people. In fact, in the spiritual picture, Goliath can represent Satan himself. David, we mentioned, represents committed and courageous believers who are willing to step out in faith and fight the Goliaths. In the final analysis of this spiritual picture, of course, David represents our Lord himself, who conquered Satan. Now, notice a number of points in this chapter about David that emphasize that he is a type or spiritual picture of Christ who conquered Satan. As David was sent by his father for the welfare of his brethren, verse 18, so Christ was sent by the father for the welfare of God's children, Israel. As David was misunderstood and despised and rejected by his brethren, verse 28, so Christ was misunderstood and despised and rejected by his own people, Israel. As David was unrecognized at first as the anointed king of Israel, so Israel did not recognize Christ as their Messiah, but they will in the future. And as David conquered Goliath, so Christ conquered Satan at the cross. Now notice the way David conquered Goliath. After felling Goliath with his sling and stone, David cut off Goliath's head with Goliath's own weapon. 
This is certainly a spiritual picture of what took place at the cross. Until the death of Christ on the cross, Satan had the power of death. But through death, Satan's own weapon, as it were, Christ conquered death. As we read in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14, through death, Christ destroyed him who had the power of death, that is the devil. Let's move now to further doctrine under our doctrinal points for this chapter. So doctrinal point number one, God is not confined to conventional methods in spiritual warfare. God is not confined to conventional methods in spiritual warfare. Verses 31 through 40. Now when the words which David spoke were heard, they reported them to Saul, and he sent for him. Then David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. And Saul said to David, you are not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for you are a youth, and he is a man of war from his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant used to keep his father's sheep. And when a lion or a bear came and took a lamb out of the flock, I went out after it and struck it and delivered the lamb from its mouth. And when it arose against me, I caught it by its beard and struck and killed it. Your servant has killed both lion and bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, seeing he has defied the armies of the living God. Moreover, David said, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, Go, and the Lord be with you. So Saul clothed David with his armor, and he put a bronze helmet on his head. He also clothed him with a coat of mail. David fastened his sword to his armor and tried to walk, for he had not tested them. And David said to Saul, I cannot walk with these, for I have not tested them. So David took them off. Then he took his staff in his hand, and he chose for himself five smooth stones from the brook and put them in a shepherd's bag, in a pouch which he had, and his sling was in his hand. And he drew near to the Philistine. Notice Saul's conventional thinking and conventional methods when David volunteered to fight Goliath. You're only a youth, David. You have not been trained as a warrior as Goliath has. But if you insist, here's my armor. This is the way you go into battle. You've got to go the conventional way. But David said no. He would go with only his slingshot, certainly not the conventional way that you fight Philistine giants. Now, do you see the spiritual picture here in reference to spiritual warfare? God is not confined to conventional methods in spiritual warfare. Illustration. You know, when the Lord called me out of secular employment into full-time ministry, I thought at first that I might have to take the conventional path, go to seminary, be ordained, and become a pastor of a church. Well, the Lord used this chapter in the Bible, 1 Samuel chapter 17, at that time to show me that God is not confined to conventional methods in spiritual warfare. As David did not go the conventional way, but took what he had, his sling, and confronted and fought Goliath, so in obedience to God's call, I just started serving the Lord full-time with what I had, a good Sunday school background my slingshot, as it were. Now, I thank the Lord that I was able to go to seminary later, but it was not necessary to serve the Lord. God is not confined to conventional methods in spiritual warfare. Now, some of you here may be thinking about serving the Lord in some capacity, full-time, for example, on the foreign mission field. 
Now, the conventional way of fighting in this important area of spiritual warfare is to move to the foreign country and learn the language and culture and start a Bible study and then plant a church. This is a conventional method and a good method. But God is not confined to conventional methods in spiritual warfare. Suggestion. What about the idea of creating a website designed specifically for that foreign country? You could even have a daily or weekly website Bible study with back-and-forth communication. Computer technology is mushrooming in third-world countries, even with programs to translate English into the foreign languages. Believers can and should use modern technology in spiritual warfare. God is not confined to conventional methods in spiritual warfare. Doctrine point number two. God can use a believer's former experience in spiritual warfare. God can use a believer's former experience in spiritual warfare. Verses 41 through 49. So the Philistine came and began drawing near to David, and the man who bore the shield went before him. And when the Philistine looked about and saw David, he disdained him, for he was only a youth, ruddy and good-looking. So the Philistine said to David, Am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. And the Philistine said to David, Come to me, and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. Then David said to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword, with a spear, and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you and take your head from you. And this day I will give the carcasses of the camp of the Philistines to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Then all this assembly shall know that the Lord does not save with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. So it was when the Philistine arose and came and drew near to meet David, that David hurried and ran toward the army to meet the Philistine. Then David put his hand in his bag and took out a stone, and he slung it and struck the Philistine in his forehead, so that the stone sank into his forehead, and he fell on his face to the earth. Here's a paraphrase of what we just read. Goliath said, Fee-fi-fo-fum, I smell the blood of a Hebrew man. Be he alive or be he dead, I'll grind his bones to make my bread. David said, I'll rock you to sleep. Goliath said, that thought never entered my head before. That's a loose paraphrase of the verses we just read. Seriously speaking, in these verses we see how God used David's former experience in his victory over Goliath. Where did David learn to sling a stone with such accuracy? Now, we know that God guided that stone to just the right chink in Goliath's armor. But it wasn't like this was the first time that David picked up a sling. David had probably spent hours in practicing slinging stones when he was out in the fields tending the sheep. You know, even tending the sheep was training for David's later leadership as king. People are a lot like sheep, wandering away, etc., And remember, we read in verse 36 that David had killed a lion and a bear while tending the sheep. God certainly used that training to give David confidence and courage for his fight with Goliath. David ran toward Goliath, verse 48. 
definitely an illustration of staying on the offensive in spiritual warfare. God gave David the victory, but he certainly used David's past experience. And the same is true today as we fight the good fight. God can use your past administrative training and business experience, for example, to efficiently organize and run a ministry. God can use your past education as a lawyer or scientist, for example, to effectively defend the faith. God can use a believer's former experience in spiritual warfare. Now, what about practical application from the second half of 1 Samuel 17? Don't practice fanciful interpretation of Scripture. Don't practice fanciful interpretation of Scripture. Verse 40, And David chose for himself five smooth stones from the brook. Why did David choose five smooth stones when he only used one? Answer, well, this was just common sense. David did not know at this point that he would only need one stone. He logically and rightly figured that he could probably reload four more times, if need be, in his approach to Goliath. Now, did you ever hear that the other four stones were for Goliath's brothers? Well, that's fanciful interpretation of Scripture. That is interpretation with unrestrained imagination. Now, it would be one thing if the scripture told us that these four stones were used to kill Goliath's brothers, but it doesn't. Don't practice fanciful interpretation of scripture. 